Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 95, and we are back. Yes, we are back. We're back. We had a little break, but we're going to come to that in just a second. You are here with us, Camera Shake Podcast, episode 95, on the air. And uh, of course, this is the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that, with me, Kirsten Lutz, and Nick Kirby, Shalom. as always. Wait, hello? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it's been two oh, weeks. Okay. Like, why didn't anything happen last week? That is the question that I'm sure everybody listening to this is asking themselves right now. What happened last week? Uh, let's just... You were very windy last week, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it took me a minute to come up with something. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, what actually happened was... Um, so we have... Well, we, we are going through a set of extreme weather conditions in the UK at the moment. Yeah. And uh, so we are now on storm three. Is that the third? It's the third storm, isn't it? Yeah, in about a week, yeah. And it was, uh, so it was storm Dudley, then it was st storm Eunice, and now it's storm... Frederick? Uh, Frederick? So, um, Francis? Francis? Oh, it begins with an A. Something You like can be that. sure it begins Febreze. with an A. It must be Febreze. Febreze. <laughs> storm Febreze. Flubberlub. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so I was in Wales last week, and uh, hanging out on top of a mountain. And although we had it all planned, the weather, unfortunately, well. Just out of interest, were you on this mountain on your own, cross-legged on a rock playing acoustic guitar? <laughs> <laughs> Naked, yes. Ukulele. <laughs> I was playing you. It's Andy. This is a true story. This is actually how, this is how my, my, this is how my aunt um, uh, met my uncle. Um, in, a, in, a, in a cave in Goa. Uh, where he was sitting naked, cross-legged, playing a ukulele, and she heard, you know, the, the sounds of a ukulele coming out of a cave, and there she met him sitting. It's, it's like I sent a hippie rock. family. Well, there's that, isn't it? What's going on? <laughs> That's it. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so, uh, well, I was, uh, I was holidaying for a week in Wales, um, and we had it all planned out, but uh, unfortunately the weather uh, really just... Um, wasn't going to play ball and uh nope. and we we were um well we were sitting out storm dudley on the top of a welsh mountain so there are still places in this country where a little bit of rain <laughs> will take your internet out yeah i mean it was uh yeah it was it was uh it was severe it was a severe it's storm like front. the dark ages here still isn't it i mean you know what was interesting was that you know we were in this uh we were on the top of a mountain in this in this uh, listed building, it was a really old building, and um, it was awesome actually. Just my wife and I huddled up, my wife and I and the dog huddled up, you know, all cozy and all, um, really, you know, sitting out this this weather front, this storm, um, and it was it was really interesting, man. It was it's actually really good fun, you know, yeah. scary at times, I admit, but. But yeah, it was uh, it was good fun, man. What scared you the most? I think it was the noise, man. Yeah, it was the noise. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The noise was. Um... You do do that when you snore. <laughs> that was a. <laughs> was it a storm or was it me snoring? I'm not sure. Um, no, it was loud. It's actually uh, I could barely sleep at night um, because I was I was kept awake by the the noise. Mm. The the building itself was solid. It was rock solid, so there was no no problem there. Uh, but we were on the top of this mountain and uh, we had this, we were right on the edge of a ravine, like literally right on the edge of a ravine. And uh, in front of us, we were in this uh, pine forest, but right in front of the building was uh, like a fire break. 
So there was actually okay. a clear run. And so no trees right in front of the building. And so we got hit by the full force of the storm there. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it was, uh, it was the noise from hell, actually. And then we had this, uh, these skylights in the, in the ceiling as well, so we could watch what was going on out there. And we were on the same level as some of the treetops. And hmm. so we could see this pine trees go crazy. It was, it was just really, it's a crazy, crazy experience. And then, of course, with the wind speeds as they were, like we had like, what, 120 miles an hour kind of winds, which was insane. Um, it's quite heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. And we could see, you know, I was, I was laying in bed and I was looking at through these skylights and basically I could see the clouds race by and I could see stars, you know, and then I was just nuts. It was a really, it's a really cool experience actually. Um, but unfortunately it took out all the internet and everything else. So, you know, um, they were stuck. Well, I say stuck on design. We could have driven off, but hey, we were on this, on this mountain. It was fun. That's pretty good fun. Oh, that's good. That's good. The, the worst I had was taking the rubbish out and <laughs> getting blown away. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had some um, derooted uh, trees in the, in the park. It, it, it was the same uh, still here. Um, and round to the south of London as well. It's all, all pretty much identical everywhere. Yeah, yeah it was Trees, it was nice. trees were down all over the place and uh, roofs off too. I think... Places. Was it? I heard somewhere they were saying it's just the the heaviest storm uh, for thirty years or something. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, certainly I can't remember. Really? You know, I've, I've lived in this country for probably now, uh, where we are like twenty, like twenty six years, and I don't remember it ever been. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen storms and everything, but I've, I've I don't remember it being this this bad. It's funny, isn't it? Because I feel like I remember storms much worse than mm. this. As a kid. Yeah. But then you're little. Nice. Right. Exactly. Mm. Um, but I don't remember, like, if I think about the last seven days where the most of it was kind of happening, I, yeah, yeah, all right, there's a bit of wind going on outside. And if you mm. went outside, yeah, it was bloody windy. But out, out, you normally hear it inside and you feel things yeah. move. I didn't really get a lot of that. Mm. But you go out there and you see what it's done. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. You know, what I, I've certainly not ever experienced is this, this thing where we had three storms back to back. Like there was literally, you know, mm -hmm. right, Storm Dudley, that was the, stir the first storm front. I'm, not, I'm not on board of giving storms names. Oh, yeah, I don't know where that comes from, but it's, you know. Um, but anyway, so we had, the, you know, the first storm. Dudley. Dudley. Uh, we're here <laughs> in Wales. And then, and then we... um. So on Thursday, it was your niece, wasn't it? Yeah. We we were driving back, and that was sort of the the day of the lull, right? Yeah. So it was actually a perfectly fine day, and then the very next day we had the next storm coming in called Eunice. You're, you're lucky. I I don't know directionally whether it made any difference, mm. but Eunice was a stronger. Yeah, it was even stronger. Storm. Than the first one, yeah. It was um, so yeah, assuming it would follow a similar path to the first yeah. one. You're lucky you went went there this week. See, the thing is, you know, when when Eunice hit here um, in the sort of London, Greater London area, you know, uh, we we actually felt like we've, we've already been doing this for a week, so this isn't like anything new. You know, mm -hmm. we've, we've been sitting yeah. this out. Um, but then, of course, now we've we've had the third storm hit us. You know, the storm Fabrice. The storm Fabrice, <laughs> yeah. Or you know, Hossaclean, Flabberno, or whatever it's called. I don't know, Jonathan. I've only just thought of this now, and I wonder if it isn't it is impactful or not. Is 
two years ago, if this had happened, mm. actually we'd all be a little bit, oh, Christ, this has happened, Jesus Christ, and all of that. But since <laughs> the shitty situation with COVID over the last two years, I think we've mm. become a bit harder to other situations that are going on, other things that happen, other things that would typically may have got the whole country going, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. See, is, is it that? It's not, it's a storm. Is it that or was it just a welcome distraction of all the other crap that was going that on? That too, could be know, that too. Like with, yeah. you know, with our government and all that kind of stuff. Sure, you know? could be that too. Because um, I'm thinking, well, they must be sitting there like in their, you know, in their government officers thinking like, oh, thank God this is happening because, you know, it's, it's taking all the attention away from all the shit that's happening here. Don't worry, Boris, we haven't forgotten. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we will never forget. We don't care that much about a storm, I well, promise you. Exactly. But, um, but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, that's what I'm thinking anyway. Um, <gasps> or conspiracy theory, was it a man-made storm? Obviously... By the Chinese free 5G. I'm assuming that's what you mean. <laughs> well, clearly. Otherwise, yeah. how else would it happen? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, it couldn't have been the case because, you know, it was a storm and I lost all of my internet. <laughs> so, oh, you know. There you go. That's, you know, that theory doesn't work out. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> ah, man. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that was, that was an interesting experience, though. Mm. And, uh, and unfortunately, for the first time in 95 episodes, uh, we, we weren't able to actually put out an episode but yeah but uh, we'll we, we'll make up for it one way or another so exactly that'll be cool anyway so there we are episode 95 we've made it this far sounds good um now how's the running going nick <laughs> is that enough of an answer very well <laughs> Insert sound effect of no. uh, some kind of what's it called? Tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah. Um it went really well. Twice. All right, okay. And then uh long story short, my it, yeah, my back hurt and that's mm. it. I'd stop. Yeah. For a bit. I don't know if it's uh as a result of starting to run again. I don't think it is um, because there are other the ways that I'm where I'm sitting and types of work that I'm doing lately that involve being in a consistent position for a while. Mm. And that's not good for my, my back. And I know right. it's not. Um, and I wonder if running and that impact has just pushed it over the edge. Yeah. Uh, it's all right now. It's okay now. So in a, in a few days I'll think about, running again yeah but uh yeah so it's not through not wanting to do it two days uh what day are we now monday Sunday. so it must have been saturday uh uh took a dog for a walk and started running for a bit okay you know it was only like a haphazard kind of jokey kind of run just to get the dog to run and all yeah. of that Felt brilliant, right? Just for a few hundred yards, you know. Well, not even that, you know. It was, it was maybe fifty meters or okay. something like that. It felt brilliant. Mm. Felt really good. I thought, oh, John, you know I needed that. Mm. Just that fifty meters. That's all it needed. Yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, you know, 
I started running as well. Um, you know, as we, we discussed a couple of weeks ago and it's, you know, it was, it was going fine the first week, obviously, you know, I went out for three runs, then the storm hit and then th- there was just no way. There no, was just it's no not way. Worth it. It's not worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking like either, you know, you run against the storm and you've got no chance or, um, or you, you know, you run with the storm, in which case you might be getting much further, much faster than, than you'd bargained for, <laughs> you know? Like you're the... <laughs> Full speed million dollar man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it sounded, or it seemed, it seemed a little too dangerous, actually. Yeah, so I kind of Christ, nice. give it not worth it. But um, not worth it. But it's been, yeah. I mean, it's been, it's, it's not been too bad, really. You know. Okay. And um, and I've also I've been enjoying, I've actually really been enjoying the all the like little fitness app things on the Apple Watch. You know, mm-hmm. that was um, that was the kind of deal, the bargain, I uh, you know, I kind of cut with myself the deal that I cut with myself was that, you know, I was going to buy an Apple watch, but then I was actually going to take the opportunity and, and go out and, you know, start, start working out a little bit and uh, going to running, which, you know, has so far it's been all right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I've been enjoying it. Good. Yeah. It's, it's been well, good. As long as it gets you bloody going again. <laughs> yeah. It's really neat. It does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm, People say, "Oh yeah, buy that tech for that or whatever." Bulls. I don't. I don't buy into that complaint against mm. it because whatever gets you moving is a good thing. I don't well, care what it is. See, that was that was the thing. So my motivator was, I you know, I felt for quite some time that I had to get myself motivated to to, to do something, you know, because literally when the pandemic hit uh, the first time, you know, we had the lockdown for the first time my motivation to work out just went straight down the basement. I mean, it was just like, you know, mm. I just lost all motivation um, whatsoever. And I found it really difficult to pick myself up from that um, over the last year and a half or so. And so I needed like, <clears throat> I needed to kind of, you know, find the carrot, you know, that would get me back out there. And so I kind of thought, you know, if I, if I spent the money on an Apple watch, I basically then have to kind of justify that to myself mm-hmm. by saying, right, I'm going to use all the features that are available to me and I'm actually going to make the best out of it. So I'm going to actually make it, you know, a useful thing that makes sense. And that's kind of how I justified it to my wife too. <laughs> She's <laughs> so naive. That's <laughs> well, but you know, so far so good. I mean, so far so good. You know, I've, I, I feel like I've kept, my my part of the bargain, you know, my side of the bargain. Have you decided how many runs that watch is is worth? Uh no, not really. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, f- I figure that actually, if I start with like three runs a week, then mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that good. was and my that's, goal. That's, that's kind of how that's how I started. And it's, yeah, it's been good. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, so far so good. But here's the thing: I came across something this week. Um. Which I thought I'll talk to you about because okay. I know that you've been buying up watches. That is true. Yeah. yeah. So you've been buying up mechanical watches, right? Mm. Okay. What's what was the thinking behind that? Because I may have an insider tip for you. Well, it sparked out of a, just a conversation I was having, and uh, there are two two main reasons. One, there are certain watch styles and periods i guess which i just love the look of those watches Mm -hmm. it's there's something 
almost calming about having a regular watch on your wrist sure. than a smartwatch or having to pick up your phone to look at the time, let's say, even though I still do that most of the time because it's just, it's ingrained in me. That's total habit <laughs> to pick up your phone to look at the watch. Uh, I think the time. I've stopped, do, I've stopped no. doing a lot of that. Really? Yeah, I have. I have. I actually really have. That's a good thing. Mm. It's a really good thing. And the, uh, the, the, the third reason is uh, investment. Yeah. And, and that's where that conversation, this initial conversation came from, is because this particular watch or type of watch that I really liked and was mm. just looking at anyway, turns out that um, that brand was re-releasing them. Mm-hmm. And so if you got the 60s version of them, because they're re-releasing them pretty much as they were, mm. what happens when you re-release something? Mm. The originals go up massively yeah. in value. Okay. And that was kind of part of the thing. And that kind of started me on a little bit of a journey. Right, okay. Um, cool. So I haven't got many. I've only got like you know, three or four or five, something like that. Mm. But um, it's just get me thinking about it. I yeah. really enjoy it. It's fun. Cool. So I thought, you know, because I know you're like mechanical watches, although you are the... Yeah. I've got a pocket watch now as well. <laughs> That's really? true. <laughs> okay. That's true. An old nice. one. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, right, really right. old one. No, yeah. Not one that you're wearing with your little, like, you know, vest, vest top. <laughs> vest top. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's currently in a, in a watch case right, right. now. But uh, no. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a vest top with a. Do not pocket pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know, I came across this, um, this, this, this a little bit of uh, a little bit of news. You want to call that? Um, and I kind of thought of you because um, I thought I've got, uh, you know, hot off the press investment tip for you when it comes to watches. This better not involve an Apple Watch. Otherwise... Oh no no, okay. no 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 no! We're talking full full mechanical. Okay. First series. Brand new, a classic in the making. In the making, that's watch. just a giveaway right there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> now, of course, this this has to link back to photography somehow. Now, who's making one? Right, who's making a watch? Like, which camera company do you know that makes extraordinarily expensive cameras that would? In your opinion, potentially also consider making watches. What, what, if you thought about that, if you thought about a camera company making watches, Hasselblad. Uh, okay, good call, but it's not Hasselblad. Leica. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Leica, Leica have just announced the Leica L1 and L2 for watches. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now here's the thing. All okay, right, so right. so here we are. I mean, these watches are. How do you make that move? Well, I mean, well, okay. So, I mean, you know, the thinking is, <laughs> if you could make a camera that's that's you know extraordinarily overpriced <laughs> to, to some extent, I mean, one would some would say because I I now have a a decent understanding about how watches are made. Right, right. It is almost guaranteed. No, it is guaranteed mm. that they've just are they Swiss? No, they're German. They're going to be German, are they? Mm. They're not going to be there. They are. <laughs> Leica, yeah. 
but the actual are they going to say they're going to be Swiss made watches or not? Uh, I don't think Do you know so. No, I, mean? I think they're German made. Yeah. yeah, German engineering. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Caffeine shampoo for your hair. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, all the innards will just be bought from somewhere, and they will just slap a body on it and well. slap their name on it. Well, they were ten grand. They're not worth ten grand. <laughs> but it's the name on it. Yeah. Ten grand. Okay. I need. Let's see, because they might be going all out on it. To be fair. Hmm. Um, my, but my gut instinct, without knowing anything about it, is that the need to come from somewhere other. I mean, ten grand. Because yeah. I, there are, I, I, there are many high quality watch brands out there. Sure. Many are well over ten grand. Well, well over. Uh, 10 I think grand. it's probably yeah, yeah. You're but right. um, uh, mm. so do you let's think? First, like, like if you take something like let's let's take like a classic. It's very interesting. Let's just take a classic watch, uh, like let's say like an Omega uh, Seamaster or something like that, right? That, this is the only one. I, I don't know very much about watches, but that's that's the only one that comes to my mind. Or like you've got what? What if you got Omega Tag Heuer? Uh, mm-hmm. Water. Um, just, T- how do you pronounce it? Tag, Tag Heuer. That's how you pronounce it, people. In case you don't know, that is how you pronounce <laughs> is it, it. Are they German or Swiss or something? It's some, uh, yeah, whatever. whatever. But that's well, I'm uh, guessing that's it's all the same, though. No? Yeah, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, so you know, you take take a. I mean, the only model that I kind of know from the top of my head is like a, you know an Omega Seamaster. Okay. Um, oh. So you take that. I mean, if you take that watch, right? And that's that is, you know, these watches are pricey. If you bought one, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, I mean, would you say like the the innards of it are worth the price, or do you think it's like it's more for like a brand? Um, you, know, you pay for the name type of a type of a thing. Well, they they make their own right innards, I believe. I believe mm. oh, I'm gonna be. Oh God, this is opening me up to a world of pain potentially. Mm. I believe they make their innards, um, just like Rolex. Oh, Rolex! I yeah, think we'll make their yeah, yeah. their own sure. innards, and um, uh, but you can you can pick up a Rolex for twenty five quid from street market down yeah, in Florence, right? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> right, they're definitely all real, I'm for sure. <laughs> you can have ten of them up your arm yeah, if you want. No worries. <laughs> no worries, Del boy. What? <laughs> uh, I I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I find it, I find it interesting uh, that like are going into that into that direction. I mean, just you know, because actually I've seen them, Why but I've seen photographs. Why are they doing? Um, well, okay. So the cynic in me would basically say that you know, if you can if you can sell some really overpriced cameras to some people, you can probably you can probably sell some overpriced watches to the same sort of people. But okay, okay, think of it this way. Hmm. The only people who are probably going to buy those watches are people who already own Leica cameras. Otherwise, the brand Leica means nothing to anybody else. That's very true. That right? is very true. But I heard something. I was listening to somebody else talk about this the other day, and um, and um, and so the, the one thought that actually stuck in my mind was was that thing whereby, like, when you start to, I mean, because obviously they're new, right? Leica watches are new. They're brand new. Um, so when you talk to somebody about about Leica watches, um, even somebody who doesn't know anything about photography, you know, you could kind of take it from the angle of like, oh well. Um, you know, oh, this is like a watch. You know, they're brand new. Um, they haven't they haven't made watches for very long, but what they have done is for the last hundred years is they've made some of the world's best cameras, 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have that thing behind it, you know, so they're not like, do you know what I mean? They're like not, they're not like a brand new company. They've actually but, been around making precision engineered stuff. It helps, you know, for sure. It, it definitely helps. <sighs> so my, my question would be I, like, would you see that as a worthwhile investment? Like, would you see no, the value I, of those? I, I don't see it as an investment. No right. way. Not right now. Right. Not right now. Um, I'm happy to be corrected in 10 years. Mm. But for what they're selling it at right now, mm. for an unknown watchmaker who probably won't make watches for that long, mm. You're not going to make your money back on that. If you try and sell it in five years, mm. 10 years, you're not going to make that money back. So I you, don't believe. So here's, here's the thing, right? So if you look at that in the context of this little gem of a fact. That said, I'm thinking through why they're doing it. At the minute, <laughs> Are you but, thinking like, oh, maybe I should buy it. No, 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 <laughs> maybe no, no. I should invest no, no, in no, like no. a watch. No, I'm actually thinking <laughs> if they market it right, right to the right people who don't own a Leica camera, yeah. they've got the possibility of that reciprocal... Those people then buying right. that watch might go, oh, I'm interested in cameras. Oh, God, they make cameras, don't they? I mean, so, I'll go so, and get one of them because yeah, they've it, already spent that kind of money. They've got money to buy like a camera. Well, I mean, and in all seriousness, of course, you know, even if they were marketing this to their already existing audience, you know, they, they already have an audience that is, first of all, very brand aware, you know, and and also um, have the necessary extra coin, you know, to spend on, you know, like a camera gear, which, you know, we all know without, you know, Without any, you know, what's the word? Like with without any preconceived ideas or whatever, you know, you do pay for the like a brand name. So hmm. uh, you know, over yep. the odds, some would say. So you know, but people who are willing to pass, uh, you know, to part with that amount of coinage um, for a Leica camera, and they're probably most likely, at least a proportion of those that audience would be willing to part with said watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense to to market a luxury product to people who you know are into buying luxury products. Of course. That's cool. But here's the thing. This is all happening uh, in front of a backdrop of camera sales falling dramatically. Okay, and so here's the thing. Another little nugget of, of wisdom or of, of uh, another little fact that I've come across is the fact that camera sales are down 30% in the last year. Across the board. On the year before, across the board. And that's because, um, predominantly because of um, a shortage of silicon Mm -hmm. um, around the world. And that's got to do with a whole range of different factors, you know, um, the pandemic being one of it, blah, blah. But we've all, you know, we've been been talking about um, a shortage of... um, you know, uh, chips and processes and all the rest of it, you know, in the past, but basically um, the, the silicon, the mineral, mineral, I can't talk, the mineral um, silicon has been in, in short supply. And so therefore yeah, we, that's all got an impact. So, um, so we've been, so basically sales are down 30% on an overall volume of sales. That's only 8% of what it was 10 years ago. Hmm. That's massive, if you think about mm. it, as far as the camera industry is concerned. And we, you know, we've talked about, you know, delivery delays and all that kind of stuff, you know, over the last few months. You know, we talked about Nikon having problems shipping out the Z9, 
uh, Canon are most likely to have issues with, you know, with the latest models for the same reason. And we know this, you know, even if you like read uh, news about the automotive industry, whatever, everybody's got the same problems. In the electronics world, there's just not enough silicon to go around to make lots of microprocessors and therefore everybody's suffering, especially, you know, car manufacturers who use, you know, shed loads of, of processors in their cars, camera manufacturers, whatever. But of course, the camera market has been shrinking dramatically anyhow. Like I said, it's 8% of what it was 10 years ago, right? Because everybody's got a smartphone, everybody's got a camera in their pocket, you know, for whatever other reasons. But now it's, it's dropped 30%. So if you're a manufacturer like Leica, like, wouldn't it make sense to look at other ways, other types of products? Of course it does. You know, so that's like, that's kind of an interesting thought because you can go, well, you know, interesting that they're coming out with a line of watches. It's right an, it, just an interesting route to go. Mm. You think you, you, you would automatically, so you know, go with something that associates with cameras in general, maybe, sure. or that world at least, but this yeah. is totally different world i don't know we'll <clears throat> so the design is sort We're of gonna see the design is kind of i mean okay so what they're saying is is that the design is kind of photography inspired uh, i mean I've, I've seen some photographs of these watches and mm, the design is photography oh, yeah I know. Just sounds uh, they look they look nice to me i mean they actually yeah. do look nice you know i wouldn't mind like her if you're listening right this podcast they, they need to look great <laughs> This podcast, as you can probably guess, has not been sponsored, uh, sp sponsored by Leica. Um, but if you are listening, Leica, and you are <laughs> interested yeah. in sending us a few samples so we can review them on the show, please do. I'll be all ears. And Adam Lerner, if you already have one of these watches... <laughs> Adam, if you are listening to this, you know, please get in touch. We would because, like to see one on, because on a, screen. I, in all seriousness, A, I would love to hear what you think about these. And uh, and secondly, yeah, please get in touch um, because, you know, just come back on the show. Just come back on the show. We might invite you back on the show. Why not? That'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be an interesting thing to talk about. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, you can't, I don't even think you can guess where this is going to go. No, absolutely not. This could be this could be just a thing, you know. I mean, they brought out two models, the L one and the L two. Um, uh, okay, they need to come up with better names first of all. Yeah, the name the name convention is a bit weird. doesn't work for watches. Yeah. Leica, sorry. I'm just thinking like Leica L one and L two. I don't know. It's, it's, it doesn't make sense. L two. Jawohl. L one, two, three. I, that's the second time I've spoken German this week. Uh, this week, today, <laughs> this evening, today, this evening <laughs> exactly. in fact, yeah. <laughs> because today is my mum's birthday, Mama Kay's birthday today. Wait, wait. Ah, alles gute zum Geburtstag. Well, hey, play the fanfare. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so. Watches. It'd be so funny if, you know, if we come back next week and you've, you'd actually invested into a couple of those. No, like it, watches. Won't. <laughs> it won't happen. <laughs> no, I'm thinking like, when is your birthday? But it'll be an expensive birthday they're, present. They're I'll have one for my birthday. No, yeah. Yeah. no they're, they're too new. I like Vantage. Yeah. You know, another problem uh, with with the sort of, uh, you know, the camera industry at the moment is is that 
and, and another thing that actually causes a lot of these delays is that um, it's 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 not only one component that's in short supply. There's like several components mm-hmm. that are in short supply. So as, as soon as you know, whether it's Nikon or Canon or whoever, as soon as they, you know, um, as soon as they can secure supply of one particular component, some other component might be out of work. So it's like a whack-a-mole type of game at the yeah. moment. And, um, and so, you know, and it's not something that's just, of, you know, company specific. It really is across the whole industry and everybody's suffering the same, mm. um, the same thing at the moment. So, you know, if you're surprised that it might take like six months, you know, for you to get hold of your new Z9 or something like that. And the rest. Or R3 yeah. or whatever, then that is just, unfortunately, that is just how it is. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. Got my camera. I'm happy. Hey. <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, talk, I tell you what, talking about the Z9, um, I've been, I spent a lot of time last week to uh, go through a lot of this, you know, the, to kind of investigate the rumor mill a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, and there's been some interesting things that have, um, that have come to, you know, come to my attention. That's Tell me it. about your mill of rumors. Well, I mean, that's, that's um, you know, <clears throat> Nikon and Canon actually are rumored to have a number of really cool products coming out. Okay. You know, um, so, so there's, there's some rumors that, um, you know, Canon are basically working on the R1, mm-hmm. obviously. Yep. And some of the specs have been... Have they? Yeah, so you get this right. So let's see what you think. So it supposedly will boast an 85 megapixel global <laughs> shutter sensor. Sorry, what? 85 megapixel. Yeah, what was what was that about the shutter? Global shutter sensor. What does that mean? No idea. Well, I'll find out. Global shutter sensor. Um, that's apparently capable of continuous 20 frames per second bursts at a full 85 megapixel uh, megap- resolution. Go on. So, um, and, uh, <laughs> so they've also apparently kind of tweaked the autofocus to what's now called a quad pixel autofocus oh. instead of dual pixel. Um, okay. You know, in-body image stabilization capable of up to nine stops. <sighs> along with 15.5 stops of dynamic range with a maximum ISO sensitivity of 1.6 million. Shitting hell. Um, Excuse me. Sorry. I don't care about the ISO, but the... Well, you know, I mean, as I say, if it sounds too good to be true, so did the specs of the R5 before they, before that mm. came out. So, you know, Canada obviously working on something. I mean, if all of, well, whether or not any of this actually comes to pass, but we know there's going to be an R1. We know it's going to be groundbreaking. And we know that they are going to be looking very closely at Nikon Z9. Because at the moment, the Z9 has basically... Frankly, they need to shit all over it. Otherwise, don't bother. Yeah, I mean, the the Z9 has has literally blown everything else out of the water. They have to shit on it. Nikon have done... As much as I've started to doubt um, Nikon, you know, I've been... As as everybody knows who's listening to this podcast, obviously, yeah, I've been shooting Nikon for a very long time. And... You know, even I have gotten to the point where I started thinking, whoa, okay, I don't know where this is going, but the Z9 has really given me hmm. a lot of hope. 
mainly because, mainly because um, of the, you know, the autofocus, the new autofocus system and the tracking and everything, which, you know, um, uh, you know, which I am hoping that that's... But, but what, what I said a couple, couple of three weeks ago about, about the Z9 was I'm only, I'm just slightly worried that Nik, Nikon have given everything they've got at that which I think they, they had to do regardless. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure right now, given their recent track history, whether they've got anything else to give. Well, see, and, okay. And Canon are so my, my probably the- about to give more. So my theory is this, or my hope, I would say, is this, is, you know, we've, we've spoken about this before, but I'm thinking that because, you know, again, the one thing that's missing in the whole lineup is the Z8, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding out the z8 that's mm-hmm. basically what i'm yep. holding up for um and my hope is and i think i'm sort of 95 certain that i'm probably right is that what is going to trickle down to the z8 is predominantly the autofocus system and that is going to be a game changer in Look, in that the, re- the re- I, th- I think the reality is for for you personally mm. is that if the z8 is i don't know 75% of the Z9, just just, just, sure. just to put it in a silly number for a minute, yeah. you'd be very, very, very happy buying oh, that, look, that th- camera, there's a right? Lot, yeah, there's a lot and of the... Would, and assuming the other specs relate to the type of work that you do and all of that, sure. then it, it's actually going to make a hell of a lot of oh, sense for you. Absolutely. Like, look, I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Z9 that I don't need. I don't need 120 frames per second. No, I don't need no. any of that. You know, like, very few people do. Well, I mean, you know, if you're shooting sports, fantastic. You know, again, if you're shooting wildlife, all that's cool. Um, For me, what I do, I don't need any of that. Um, So I can happily live without that. You know, um, uh, even, even the not having a mechanical shutter thing isn't really that important to me necessarily. Um, although I generally think that is the way forward and that's the future and all that kind of stuff, because I don't really think that these kind of mechanical components really make sense in the long run. Um, but any of that, you know, is, is not really the thing. The thing for me is, is really the autofocus system. That's, that would make a difference that would actually make an actual difference to me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, low light performance. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with the camera I'm shooting right now, but you know, if you can improve on that. Awesome. Yeah, and awesome. it all all comes down, and we said we've we've said this multiple times over the last few months. It all comes down to convenience. Yeah, convenience. And all I consider auto autofocus as a it's frankly it's a necessity these days, but yeah. it's still a convenience. See, the things like I'm, you it's know, not taking a better yeah. picture because yeah. of that autofocus is making your life easier. Oh. Getting focus consistently. Yeah. For the quality of the photo, yeah. what you're getting from your now 15 year old camera? No, quite, maybe s- not six year, six year old camera. It's really? Yeah. I'm sure it's older than that. No, it's about six years old. So not, okay. Mm. All right. I'll t- totally take that back. <laughs> okay. Not that old camera. Right. The, yeah. <laughs> the quality of that picture is fantastic. Yeah, mate, right? it moves fast. Yeah, you just so. don't have the autofocus system in there because it is just. Yeah. Frankly, crap in comparison. Oh, sure, in comparison. In yeah, comparison, sure. it's still all right. I still think it's fine. Yeah, but uh, it the, does a job, right? And again, you know, I've just booked two gigs uh, that are both sports gigs, right? Um, and although you know, this makes up a very small proportion of what I do, really. But is it golf? 
<laughs> no, it's uh, it's cage fighting and boxing. <laughs> but you know, but again, you know, this would be the, the typical situation where is it turtle racing? Turtle <laughs> racing. <laughs> um, so you know that Someone, that is the sort I've of thing. I've got another one in me somewhere. Don't worry. Well, I mean, you know, but again, I mean, this is this is a typical sort of thing where you don't kind of go, well, okay, um, rather than you know one. Like rather than fifty percent of all your shots being in focus, wouldn't it be cool if ninety-five percent of all your shots would be in, in focus? You know, because actually, of course, you know, it just saves you a ton of time in the in in post because you don't have to go through all the, the images and like, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just um, it's just overall your chances of getting awesome shots are just so much Increased, higher. Right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, you know, so in that respect, um. Anyway, so for me, I'm I'm just waiting for the Z8. Uh, the, for me personally, the Z9 is a little bit of overkill. Um, the Z7 is just uh, just not a hundred percent there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Z6 um, just you know wouldn't make much of a difference in terms of resolution to the camera that I'm shooting at the moment. So. You know, for me, it would be okay. I'm going to move up in the megapixel world, you know, as it were, um, and and it, it, at the moment, as far as the Nikon range is concerned, you know, that'd be the Z7. Okay, cool. But then the autofocus system isn't where I need it to be, so that's why I'm holding out for the Z8. And the Z9 for me again is is a bit overkill, and and you know, and then of course you know that business, um, you know. Uh, considerations that come into it because it's you know it, it costs a lot of money and it's not really worth me investing that amount of money mm-hmm. for something that i actually you know i don't really need so that is precisely why i'm hanging in um i'm hanging in there and you know if anybody else is like why why don't you change camera brand and move to canon or whatever uh, well it's mainly you know because i have a lot of money invested in glass you know that's, that's really it. and i think that's the same for most people once you once you've got a lot of money tied up in glass, then it does make sense to stay with the same system. That, I mean, that being said, there are situations where, of course, it makes sense to, to change, whatever. But in principle, you know, that's it's a, it's a real it's a real factor yeah. in keeping you with the brand. It's um, you know, of course, they know that absolutely. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, thinking about it from a monetary perspective, it's. Um, if you were deciding to move brand because your current brand were no longer doing what you needed them to do and it mm-hmm. wasn't good enough, there's a good chance a lot of people are doing that. And there's a good chance those people who are looking to buy that gear aren't going to want to purchase that gear because sure. it's purchasing into an ecosystem that ultimately they're going to want to get out of in the long run oh, as well. Yeah, sure. Um, that, all of that being said is that there is also a difference between those who use that gear professionally, mm. semi-professionally, oh, yeah, or absolutely. just Big time. at the weekend. So you know, they're, these people, they, they, they all need, it doesn't, it's what feels most, particularly for those people who shoot at the weekend and those semi-pros. Yeah. It's about what you feel comfortable with and whether mm. it's got the right, price tag associated with yeah, it. I mean, it's, it's not about whether you're going to stay with that brand for Of course, years. I mean, this, this is the thing. I think, you know, and I think this is really something that's really important to bear in mind is that when, you know, when you, 
counter photography. You can counter photography for a whole variety of different reasons. Um, you know, if you're if you're a, a semi-pro or you're you know hobbyist, for example, and you've got disposable income to spend on photography, which isn't the cheapest of all, the most inexpensive of all hobbies. Let's, let's God, it's the most expensive hobby in the world. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, um, then of course, you know, you, you really don't have any limitations. You know, you can upgrade to the next, um, you know, to the newest camera body or the, the latest lens or, you know, by X amount of lenses and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's all cool, you know, and absolutely no problem. Uh, when you look at it from a business perspective, however, uh, perspective, however, you, you have to justify every investment that you make against what your business allows, mm -hmm. you know, in a sense. And so you've got to make these business decisions. They're very different. And, you know, in a, in that, in that world, it's more about like, okay, you know, what, you know, if I make this investment, what is it that I'm getting back for that investment? How is it going to change my life? How is it going to either make my life easier or better? How is it going to help me to save costs elsewhere? Or how is it going to help me to increase the quality of the product that I'm putting out so that I can charge more for it? Those are the kind of business considerations you have to make. And if the answer to any of that is just like, well, actually, the product that I'm producing at the moment is absolutely fine. Um, pouring more money into that or investing into equipment, you know, it isn't going to allow me to charge more for it. Then from a business perspective, you've got to go, well, this doesn't really exactly make sense. Mm -hmm. So unless, you know, there's an element of future proofing and all that kind of stuff. You know, or whatever. I mean, there there are lots of reasons for why you would do that. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that it's it's very different when you look at the whole thing through the through the lens of running a business mm. compared to you know, oh well, this is a hobby. I've got the money money in the bank. I might as well rather than spending it on you know uh, drugs and fast women, <laughs> I might as well spend it on cameras. You know. Because, but then who would How wanna... someone spent spent their youth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, spent all my money on you know fast women and loose drugs, and <laughs> sex kinos. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> alles klar. Um, okay, well, actually, you know, talking about the Z8 because I've also, I've also uh, uncovered a few rumors um, about the Z8. And that really does sound quite interesting. Um, so, eight megapixel. Okay, so here's the interesting thing. <laughs> so, you know, um, Sony have um, come up with a new sensor for the A7R4. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that was a, there was a 61 megapixel um, Sony Exmor R sensor, whatever it's called. And so it turns out that, that a Nikon have cut a deal with Sony in <sighs> purchasing that really? sensor. Yes. Because Nikon have, um, you know, have used Sony sensors history, in the past. Yeah, yeah, history, right. Except for the Z9, where they, made their own sensor but but anyway so they've they've basically cut this deal um they've obviously been buying or they are buying in the sensor so the idea is the rumor is that the z8 will basically support the 61 megapixel sony exmo sensor which actually it's gonna be a freaking awesome sensor it's, sounds pretty guaranteed actually and then yeah. you know for me that's mm. you know that's cool and it's also a rumor that says you know it might feature dual cf cards a cf express cards um Expensive. You care that? Annoying. Well, yeah, I guess I am. I mean, you know, I guess I am. I guess I would be. More reliable, more expensive. But okay. <laughs> okay, well, you know. 
um, you know, improved image stabilization, whatever that means. Um, you know, a, a new resolution shift mode. Now, this is interesting. That will allow you to capture 240 megapixel images. Okay, well, this could be interesting for landscape photographers in particular. Very, that could be very, very interesting. It sounds like a... Mm, I, have an, I have an idea. Sounds fluffy to me. I mean, I have to look into this uh, more closely. And obviously, when once that camera comes out at some point, this year or next year, I'm sure it will, um, then, you know, have another look at that. But... Um, I also have an idea as to how that could be very useful in a in a environmental portrait setting. I'm um, sorry, this mm-hmm. you know something I've got in the back of my mind that might actually be very useful for that, but you know, we'll have to come back to that. Um, you know, um, what else? Well, this you know an ISO range of like sixty five to twenty five thousand six six hundred or whatever. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, also the, there's been a design that's been leaked recently for the Z8 or Z8 that's that makes it appear as though it might be a slightly chunkier camera than the current Z6 and Z7. So a little bit more meat on it. Might not be a bad thing. Might not be a bad thing. Exactly. Exactly. So everything that I'm hearing so far on the grapevine is is all things that I'm, I'm liking the sound of. Right direction. Yeah. Right kind of things for it. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. 61 megapixel. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. 100% up for that. You know, um, that's of high resolution. And, and with that, you'll thing. still get, you, you given the sensor, you'll still get better low light performance than uh, well, your 24 that you'll get in your 24 megapixels. Well, yeah, your, that'd be the idea. You, 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 you just you definitely. I'm are. pretty sure. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, so it's sounding, and of course, if that then had the oh, best, you get a Z8, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a Sony sensor. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Oh well, um, might as well just change to Sony. <laughs> no stupid mount. What have you done? Oh, anyway, never mind. Um, However, Sony your TVs are brilliant. There's one right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Samsung versus Sony TVs. What do you think? Sony every time without really? foul. Not even it's not even a question. Oh really? Okay, interesting. Okay, that's interesting. Sam, uh, well, you, you really want me to get into this? All right, go ahead. All right, fine. Um, so Samsung's TVs. Think of think of the uh, the way to think of them is OLED. Yes, which and, is and QLED is, is what it should be, and QLED yeah. is what Samsung did, right? Because they weren't allowed to do OLED. Right. OLED is and. Someone's going to correct me. Is every LED is its own whatever, has its own backlight or oh, I don't I don't know whatever it is. But QLED Samsung's version do it in quadrants, so a bank of LEDs. Right. I don't know. All the green ones in the bottom left right yes, corner, exactly. and all the blue ones exactly. in the top right. Exactly. <laughs> And Ooh. Sony take obviously take all the green ones because right. they love their, <laughs> their images looking green. Yeah. We know this. Uh, it's something like that's why the Matrix that. was, sh- was right. made yeah, by exactly. Sony. It's made by Sony. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Oh, yeah. It's all come together. As was Shrek. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Um, summing and summing the, and some, the, some, the some, Grinch. Some, oh. <laughs> uh, I'm out. I can't think of another one. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Damn. 
<laughs> there's there's something to do with that. Anyway, right. it's, it's it's related to that. And their their color on the Samsungs mm. is just I'll put this delicately vile. Oh really? Okay. Uh, in comparison mm. to the Sony's. Mm. Now, all of that being said, most of that doesn't matter mm. because when you just watch a TV on its own. Your eyes just adjust immediately, yeah. and it looks good, or it doesn't look good. Mm. Most of the time, you will just look at it, and it will look good. Yeah. It's only when you look at them side by side well, you really see yeah. the difference. Um, I take uh, so I've been watching a, a Samsung TV last few days, and I can because I go between that these two particular TVs often. <laughs> I can see the difference <laughs> oh, as soon oh, as no. turn it on. And I hear the sound difference, and so I hear this. Basically, what you're saying is your girlfriend's got a Samsung TV. <laughs> Have you mentioned that little, that little pearl of wisdom? It's, t- it's crap tech. She doesn't care. <laughs> awesome. Right. <laughs> yes. 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 You have mentioned it. You're worthy. No, I haven't. No, but you are correct. Okay, right. That, that's where, right, we're, right. where we're going with this. Right. And mine's a, a Sony, and it yeah. just... I mean, there is depth to that that the Samsung just cannot even comprehend yeah. at all. <laughs> Sorry, my watch just told me there's time for bed. <laughs> right, fuck off. <laughs> Bedtime <laughs> reminder. <laughs> oh dear. Right, we're going to leave it with just me for a bit, if that's all right. <laughs> and I'm going to do a s- soliloquy <laughs> on something or other. <laughs> right, we're done on TVs. How do we get on TVs? Well, no, I mean, it's an interesting oh, thing. Sony. That's right. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, you know, I am. I think I am gonna. I'm gonna have to change my TV, unfortunately, over the Just, next year. Or okay. So. The other consideration, and it's always a bloody consideration, mm. is that those Sony's are significantly more expensive mm. for the. And these, for those of you on audio, I am doing massive air quotes right now. Jazz hands. In the same price bracket uh-huh. or same quality, um, that they're, they're just massively more expensive. Right. So if you were to get the, you know, this was one of the uh, flagship Bravias when I got it. Mm. Uh, it's 50, 50. I think it's just, I think it's 50. Oh, so 50. Yeah. If you get the Samsung version of it, if, if you like, mm. it will cost you probably, probably half the price. Okay. Maybe a little over that. Mm. Um, and you'll, again, like I say, you'll look at the, the picture and you'll go, mm. it's good. And it is good. Yeah. You then look at mine. I compare it. Yeah, okay. It's going, God, mm. my picture's just a little bit crap. In comparison. <laughs> oh. Or you'll just go, actually, that's the picture I want to watch. Hey, you know, I'm coming from a TV that has a dead bug in the center of it. <laughs> you know? And and that although we've changed the TV, uh, our current TV, the picture looks much better than the old one, which is not really difficult because at least it doesn't have a True. bug in the middle of it. Um, but the sound distorts. There's something wrong with the speaker thingy in it, which mm. is super annoying. That's the other thing about this particular mm. this like line of TVs that I did is the the, the speaker system within it is sens- right. is sensational. Yeah. And I'm, I'm an audio guy, as you know, and if that sounds good to me as a TV, it's yeah. got to be all right. Yeah. And it, basically they have the sound comes through. The, 
vibrates out of the screen itself. Yeah. It's not speakers that kick yeah. out. The, it's, it's very clever tech. Yeah. Uh, and it works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at that. I think, um, you know, we've now that we've been away for a week and we had the, like, you know, we had a really cool TV um, that was like on a, you know, Swivel bracket type of thing. Okay, thinking, well, that would that would there work we go. in our living room. Hang on, you've heard it here first. The mark of a quality TV is if it's on a swivel bracket. It is apparently <laughs> so. Yeah, <laughs> it's also it's also an absolute. You know, I mean, it's a it's a it's a practicality type of thing because, um, as you know, well, you, you know, you know where place, um, and where our where our TV is. Unfortunately, it's the only place in in our living room where yeah. the TV can be because that's where all the connections are. Right? Yeah. Uh, which is annoying, but that's how it is. And so, um, <laughs> so because it's the awkward arrangement of walls and corners, um, we are sort of, uh, on the face of it, we're limited as far as the size of the screen is concerned, right? And so the only option would be to have it on some kind of swivel bracket that we could pull out and turn. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, the, that's the thing. So, um, yeah, so that's, that, was, uh, that was a revelation. I should say. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely, that's a plan. Uh, I'd say a long-term plan. It's not, you know, we're not that hooked on, on the TV. Because to be honest, whenever I watch anything on my IMAX screen, on a 5K screen, it always looks a lot better than anything else mm-hmm. anyway. You know, so it's, it's a hard, hard competition. Regular TV mm. on that TV. Mm. I don't enjoy it all that much. Right. On the girlfriend's TV, looks all right. All right, cool. There you go. Don't don't say about that. It's just fact. The way it is. (laughs) Cool. Well, low quality TV, low quality pictures look better. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and there there is there's some truth to that because um, I. Mm -hmm. So my father-in-law, um. Don't ask me what kind of brands I've absolutely zero idea, but it's it's a huge TV. It's a huge TV. It's super high res. Is it like huh? Oh, it's probably yeah. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> and he likes to watch sports, which is you know great. Um, but I've been watching some some sports in there, and we've been watching some like you know football matches and whatnot. And it is literally like you're on a pitch with with the players. I mean, that's it's that freaking real, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's also something off-putting with that. There is something off-putting about that. I you agree. Know? And um, especially then when it comes to like, when you watch movies, it's just... Why, it's why I don't like 3D. Yeah. Because yeah. a good 3D, it... Mm. it... <sighs> well, it's good 3D and then it's terrible 3D, so... There is, but the good, even the good stuff, you think, wow, that that's really cool. Mm. But I'm not enjoying it in the same way. It's something about cinema mm. that just... Yeah. Works in the way that it works. And I guess it's part, 3D might still come back around. Mm. I mean, it's died a death as far as I'm concerned, but it might come around again in, in it always does 20 years. Every 25 years. Yeah. When it really, maybe they really, you know, uh, see, uh, yeah, improve the tech. Yeah. I mean, around see, the, it again the thing is, you know, the thing is, do it in a different way, perhaps. But. So there are certain situations. I mean, first of all, there's good 3D and there's, there's terrible 3D, right? So um, the first 3D movie that I watched in the cinema was um, the, what's that sci fi Smurf movie? 
What's it called? Um, Blue people. Yeah, I can't think of the Smurfy, title. Right Smurferson. Yeah. Anyway. Um, There's so many people shouting. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar, that's it. <laughs> so you can't remember. Anyway, so that was the first, um, the first movie I watched in modern 3D in the cinema. And I found it extremely underwhelming at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, the the sense of depth that you got was really like, I mean, the best way to explain it would basically be you've got three panes of glass. The main action is happening on the on the middle the, pane this, of glass. This is the problem I have. Yeah, you know, and then you have like stuff in the background which is sort of looks flat, but in the background, so it's like on a different pane yep. of glass. And then you've got stuff that they've purposefully put in the foreground, yeah. like rain or whatever. You've just got a free look. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree and each, more. And each one of those just look really flat. And then you, you create a depth of sense, and a sense of depth even, um, you know, by, by just putting these layers on top of each other. And it's sort of, it kind of works and it kind of doesn't, you know. It doesn't look real, real. It's just It weird. doesn't. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work in my, but, the way I, my, yeah. my vision sees yeah. it. It doesn't work. But. Since then, of course, the technology has really evolved, evolved and it's gotten a lot better. And, you know, there are instances, uh, for instance, like in the latest Star Wars movies, for example, um, where there are certain scenes, because this is the thing, like 3D is, you get used to it really quickly. When you start watching a movie in 3D, you get used to it very quickly to the point where you forget it's there. And then, of course, you kind of, you get to wonder, like, what's the point? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain kind of key or scenes. Is that good? Well, well, that's, that's a good, yeah. But there's certain scenes where all of a sudden it really becomes effective. And as in the latest Star Wars movie, there's a couple of scenes where that's really the case. Like one is, uh, for instance, in uh, some of the space battles. I remember one particular scene where it just appeared as though the camera was mounted on the outside of an X-Wing fighter. And I remember that, that X-Wing fighter dropping into battle and just literally dropping down and just speeding into the battle. And literally, you had that full sense of three-dimensional space, and that scene on its own, you just thought, "Shit, I'm sitting on the wing of an X-wing of mm-hmm. an X-wing fighter." That was awesome. That's one scene in a like 180-minute movie or something, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, and and I think each one of those movies had one of these key scenes where it was extremely effective, but then ev- the rest of it you sort of forget it's there, and then it yeah. becomes pointless. But you know, just for that experience, what I, you know, what we do traditionally as a family, as you know, um, because we're slightly Star Wars obsessed, we, you know, we always watch Star Wars movies in the cinema. But when they first come out, we, we, we will always watch them in 3D and in 2D when they first come out. Because, because who knows, if, if you don't watch the 3D version in the cinema, then who knows when you'll ever have the opportunity to see it in 3D ever again. Because by the mm-hmm. time it comes out on streaming or on whatever, you know, Aidable, it will be 2D. And so therefore, the only opportunity you really have to watch it in 3D is, is actually in the cinema at the beginning. And so that's why we watch it. Have you used a VR headset? I To watch movies, no. But done anything on one? Um, well, yes, in a very limited limited capacity me, yeah me me too mm. and i i used one i think they were called oculus oh because there i haven't used that no. um and i had one on and it doesn't foot you know it doesn't push against your eyes which is mm. quite crucial actually mm. but you can and you really i mean you really have to look 
almost hurt your eyes. I mean, actually hurt oh, your right. eyes to see that you're seeing past. Right. Yeah. But you look around and it was just a table tennis game or mm. something like that. The quality of the graphics in this particular instance was like a Nintendo Wii. Oh, really? Okay. Right? So right. it's that style. Mm. But I shit you not, within 20, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute maybe at most, I didn't realize I was somewhere else. You know? Right, right. Okay. And I, I was I was putting the paddle down, and it it felt like I was there. Hey, maybe we should we should record this podcast in three D video <laughs> with a hundred twenty, and you can watch this in VR, oh, even like with a three sixty degree camera. That would be hilarious. That'd be very. You could sort of you could zoom around in the in the room. Yeah, you know, on the set, see all the all the stuff that's going on behind us. And yeah, all the crap that's on the us. floor behind us <laughs> that you can't see. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. We, I wish you did it on a shoot as well. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go, VR, three D, mm. all of that shizzle. It's all coming. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. VR is definitely the way forward over three D, though. Well, it's what is it called? Meta. Well, Facebook. Well, so uh, so Meta, as in Facebook, and is it Google who are also heavily investing into the whole metaverse type of thing? I think it's nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's um, there's stuff to come. But before anyway, so before we move on to the next thing, uh, just one more thing. Um, apparently, this is this is the, the the final rumor that I've come across to do with the Nikon Z8 is that it apparently shoots six um, uh, K video. Okay. So you know. Might be interesting. Yeah. What we'd be saying about 6K video, what, you know, we've been saying about 4K video all along. Nobody actually watches it in, in 6K. So, hey. I, I, I mean, I, I think the reality is always going to be that no one's ever going to watch anything above 4K, ever. The, well. Now, 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 hang on, hang on. Isn't that what they on. said when when DVDs first Precisely. came out? <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Precisely. Is that exactly what happened? It's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. I was, I was hoping you'd go there, but... Um, yeah, I re- yeah. You know, I'm old enough to remember when DVD first sort of became a thing. And like, you know, you, you know I remember things like, whoa, that's like super high resolution. It's fucking horrendous. And now when you, you know, you watch anything in 720, you're going to go, oh, God. It's dire, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, on the flip side, of course, I mean, TV screens were much smaller back then. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, of course, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you know. All makes a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. we've talked about, I mean, this is like, this goes back, actually, this goes back to the one of the very first episodes that we've ever done, where we talked about the most expensive photograph in the world, mm-hmm. um, which at the time was Peter Lick's Phantom. Um, and, and it's actually also, it's not entirely true because, or okay, so here's the thing. So Peter Lake's Phantom, um, allegedly sold for $6.5 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. I say allegedly because there's never actually been any proof of the transaction. The buyer has never admitted to how much they paid for it. And there's never been any transactional proof Right, so it's so really actually officially, it's actually not the most expensive um, okay. photograph ever, ever sold because you can't actually prove how much it's been sold for. That's just you know, that's just the claim that it was sold for six point five million dollars. So, um, um, and I quite like it as far as 
the actual photographs concerned. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, um, check out Peter Lick, uh, the Phantom. You know, use the Google machine and you'll you'll uh, you'll find it. Um, it's an interesting photograph. Is it worth six point five million dollars? Mm, not sure, but hey, you know, who am I to judge that? Uh, but there's um. It's actually, I mean, the actual, officially, the most, um, you know, most expensive photograph ever sold is is a photograph called Rhine 2, which is an actual photograph of the Rhine River um, by uh, Andreas Gersker or something, something like that. Andreas Gersker, I, I can't remember how to pronounce that. Anyway, so that apparently sold for just under four and a half million. Officially sold for under that's that is officially the most expensive photograph ever sold anyway so now that we've got that out of the way mm-hmm. there's a potential upcoming contender to this claim of fame and that is our, an image of a nude with violin f holes on her back nude nude um so this is a photograph um shot in or created in 1924 by um by a, a photographer called Man Ray. So Man Ray is a very infamous, um, you know, photographer and a very highly acclaimed photographer of the time, um, very sort of groundbreaking, ahead of his time, type of portrait photographer. But uh, this this particular uh, image is was was sort of uh, it's kind of called a seminal art piece of surrealist photography. Okay, and the interesting thing about that is, it's it basically um, depicts it's a nude lady, nude, nude, a nude lady, um, wearing a turban, and it's a shot of her back, and on her back are two so violin f holes, mm-hmm. right? But <laughs> the f holes, <laughs> the f holes, <laughs> the f holes, <laughs> these f holes that I'm talking about. <laughs> These I don't holes. want to know anything about this lady's <laughs> F-holes. Whereas these, these effing holes that I'm talking about uh, were not actually painted on the lady. They were actually right. painted painted on a print. Um, and then he re-photographed that print. Okay. So that's how that um that that's how that came about. Apparently at the time, groundbreaking technique. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays Photoshop, so I'm saying. But anyway. Photoshop, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, so this image, um, Le Violon d'Ingres, um, also uh, translate as Ingres, 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 Ingres violin. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Ingres F hole. So this is, at the moment, um, this is slated at, or it's up for um, $5 million. That's the asking price at Christie's. Okay. Right. So Christie's are basically estimating that it'll fetch anywhere between five to seven million dollars, which would make it the most expensive photograph ever sold. Why? Why why is that their estimate? Why? Um what's so special about it's, it? It's uh, it's very special. It's, really? uh, well that's you know, who am I to say they're wrong? Um they used to say that a picture of a river should fit to, should fetch that kind of money, you know? You know, okay, here's the thing. So here's, here's something I would like to know. Guys, if you're listening or if you're watching, do me a flavor and go and use the Google machine and check out Rhine 2, which is basically R-H-E-I-N and then Roman numeral 2 by and- Andreas 
Gursker, I think. Um, and let me know what you think. I, honestly, I'm really honestly interested in your opinion on this because I, I don't see it. <laughs> I'd be perfectly honest. I just can't see it. It's a cool photograph. There's a whole bunch of parallel lines. Ooh. And, fancy. Um, but, you know, just under four and a half million dollars. I'm not convinced. Sounds like money laundering to me. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be reasoned with. And I'm super happy to be convinced otherwise. So do me a flavor, you know, hit up Who, the Google machine, uh, check out um, Ryan to please let me know what you think. I'd honestly, I'd want to know. You know, it's only relevant to the person who bought it. Oh, right. Uh, yes. Right. And Granted, if that picture is clearly just a, a, it's clearly a good photo, right? That goes without saying. However, well, is it? <laughs> but yeah. for whatever reason that photo rang true of the person who bought it mm. in a way that they felt they could spend that kind of money on and i'm guessing rang true with other people because you're not going to go in at that kind of price are you someone else had to bid with you i mean that kind of you know that brings us back full circle to the leica watches mm -hmm. like you, you know um, are you going to spend that kind of that kind of money on a watch? If it didn't say what I like on it, would you still spend the same money on it? That's what I'm saying. You know, is it? You know, is it just the fact that it's a like a watch? Sp you spend. You will spend them. All right, there's two reasons. You want quality merchandise that you don't have to replace. I do that with gear all the time. Yeah, I spend money on the the ex more expensive stuff for a good reason and it's because i've spent years buying the cheaper stuff yeah yeah that's true and mm. i always have to freaking replace it mm. or it doesn't live up to my expectations or it doesn't this you spend that extra money and you get what you're expecting to get mm. it does what you want it to do and it lasts a lot longer it's not true of everything but just in general that works out for me very, very well. And I've, mm. it's taken, a, a, took me many years to realize that, but that, that's just what it is. The other side of it is that if you spend, if you spend 10 grand on something and that same object, you would spend two grand on, mm. it might give you exactly the same feeling as it gives me. It takes me 10 grand to get that feeling. <laughs> yeah. It takes you two grand to get that feeling mm. or whatever it might be. Mm. And that's different by person. Sure. But ultimately, if that photo for how much did it go for, do you say? That of the river? Oh, for just under four and a half million. Four mil? Mm. If that photo made someone feel a certain way, for whatever reason, oh, okay. and they've got the mm. money to be able to sure. constantly have that feeling. That's kind of where it, I guess it, it comes. It comes from, uh, and you course. can't you can't necessarily put. That's difficult to put a price on. It's different. I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult to put a value on anything. You know, um, generally speaking, because it is ultimately, you know, it's worth whatever anybody's willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Um, I mean, that, that much is true. Um, you know, although of course we naturally always associate, you know, higher price with, you know, higher quality and whatever, you know, um, and so that quite naturally you kind of start thinking, well, you know, is that really, is that really, is that really worth that obscene amount of money? Yeah. You know, but you're right. I mean, if somebody's, you know, somebody's happy to pay that amount of money, uh, and they can afford it and all the rest of it, then, you know, why not? I mean, you know, it's, there's nothing, you yeah. know, nothing, nothing to be said. It's, um, it's just, it's just interesting. Obviously it's, you know, the, uh, English, uh, violin image is that, you know, that's gone up for auction. It's been valued at between five to seven million pounds. So that's an interesting thing because obviously, if you value something at that kind of price point, then then you must be relatively certain there will be a buyer for that yeah. amount out there. So that's you know that's just a thing that I find interesting. Um, you know that being said, I you know if I had to compare any of those images, and that's whether that's um, you know, uh, Man Ray's English violin, or whether it's, you know, um, The Phantom, you know, by Peter Lake, or whether it's Ryan too. You know, I would be, I would be drawn to the violin picture, and that's probably because I'm ultimately at the you core of it. You do love an FO. <laughs> I do love an FO, and I'm ultimately a portrait photographer, you know, at the end of it. So yeah, I mean that's that would play to my personal preferences, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, good effort. Um, yeah. yeah, that's you know, that's <laughs> it. But you know, interesting little thing. Um, <laughs> and it just it just uh, when I when I read this, I just you know that just reminded me of a conversation we had like literally I can't remember in episode one or two yeah. or three or something like that. You know, um, all these years ago. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, 90, 93 episodes ago, we talked about this. Indeed, we did. You're right. <laughs> so, what else is new? Very quick one because I know we're you know we're, we're talking we're talking a lot about Canon and, um, and Nikon and stuff. But here's something beautiful for our Fujifilm listeners and and viewers, uh, because Sigma has finally announced Ooh. a bunch of lenses for the Fuji X mount. Um, they're coming out with um, a 16 mil, a 30 mil, and a and a uh, 56 mil. F 1.4 prime lenses. Um, 56. Yeah, for the X mount. Well, it's basically, you know, it's APS-C. Oh, right. Oh, right. Okay, fine. Yeah, so um, these, lenses are, these lenses are actually not new um, because they uh, they already exist for the Sony E mount and the Canon M mount. So again, mm -hmm. APS-C mounts. Um, but Sigma have now, for the first time, released lenses for the Fujifilm X mount. Um you know, so they've followed, uh, you know, other, um, cool. other manufacturers like Tamron have made some, I think, in the past. But so, uh, yeah, so... We do love Sigma. Yeah, Fuji, Fuji shooters can now take uh, take advantage of Sigma. Mm. Um, so these, uh, the, again, these lenses have been around for a little while. Um, 1.4 sounds really good. Um, they, I've read a couple of reviews um, for those in the past, and they've actually... You know, they're, they're also relatively inexpensive. So they really range from about 340 to about $480. Mm -hmm. um, so that's about, what is that, about 290 to about 390 pounds, roughly, something like that. So they really at the lower range. But actually, for that, um, the tests or the reviews that I've read were actually really positive. 
actually really are on the lower range for them yeah. actually and so they seem to be like really good value mm. um really good really good value um lenses and uh, and faster focal lengths are concerned you know, or you know albeit APS-C but if you think about it 16mm 30mm and 56mm that really gives you a really wide range um you know f1.4 that's a great wide open aperture you can do a lot of damage with that sort of stuff so um this seems like a really 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 good move uh, for sigma and for fujifilm so if you are a fuji shooter um then you know that's definitely worth checking out yeah so i love sigma i've had a couple of sigma lenses yeah both cracking as <laughs> simple as yeah, that yeah they're yeah. great i have a sigma uh a well i have a sigma lens for an aps-c mm-hmm. um sensor camera uh, the nikon but um, that's, that's yeah it's a great lens yeah. in fact i mean that's that's in fact that's actually the lens that my um, my stepdaughter uses for her A oh, yeah. yeah, uh, photography, yeah. yeah. So, and she could do all sorts of different things with that, and you know, her stuff's looking good. So it's cool. Um, what's that? Uh, so the only other thing, right? Here's the last bit of news um, for tonight or for today. Um, there's been a bit of a hoo-ha about Nicole Kidman, and so Nikon Kid- Nicole Kidman um, showed up on a front cover of Vanity Fair. And nothing too unusual about that. But apparently, this has been a little bit of an outcry uh, because apparently they were a bit... Twelve ties. Well, they were a bit heavy-handed on the, on the old retouching. Of course they were. And uh, that's, you know, caused a bit of an outcry. Yeah, it still makes it onto the cover. How? <laughs> well, you know... Where's it, the QA on this? What, making, someone explain that to me. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's one of these things... Um, it's on one hand, you know, there's an expectation. And on the other hand, there's this sort of thing where, you know, people are like, well, there's too much Photoshopping going on. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've seen the cover. Um, it's been heavily retouched. There's no doubt about that. Uh, some people have said like, oh, well, she, ba- she, she barely looks like Nicole Kidman. No, she is Nicole Kidman. There's no, you know, um, she does look probably 20 years younger, I guess. Which is mm. unrealistic, you That's know, really. But, um, but yeah. So, you know, by all means, check that out. Uh, Vanity Fair, Nico Kipman, uh, again. Have a look at that. Let me know. Do you think that's too much photoshopping, um, or do you think that's perfectly okay? I mean, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, um, several times actually. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm never really too sure whether. I mean, my opinion personally is. 100% jaded by the fact that I do a lot of retouching. So, you know, I mean, personally, when I look at an image, I have the annoying habit of looking at things and immediately I'm drawn to something and I'll be like, I could just Photoshop it out. You know, mm-hmm. or I look at something and I wonder like, why didn't they Photoshop this out? You know, it's a matter of them, like, you know. And so... That is just a natural instinct because I, mm-hmm. I literally do this pr- practically every day, um, and and so maybe I've I've lost my uh, objectivity a little bit when it comes to that, and so it would be really interesting to hear mm. hear from people and interesting just, just to get your um, your kind of just on that, uh, you know, check out the Nicole Kidman Vanity Fair cover. Please let us know uh, what you think. It'd be really interesting to to get sort of. Uh, a different perspective on that 
and maybe we can we can discuss that next time um but yeah you should, you should see the work that has to go into your face uh when we release every, the videos for this podcast every week. oh my god yeah every it's 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 hard work to make me look 20 years older than i actually am <laughs> <laughs> you know. yes anyway so <laughs> on that bombshell i think on that terrible disappointment on that terrible disappointment uh, i think that is it that's all we've got for you today um that was episode 95 of the camera shake podcast uh, again remember you know if you are watching the uh, video version of this you know on youtube you know make sure you hit subscribe ring the bell so that you get notified every time we bring up a new episode which should in theory happen every thursday ish um although it didn't happen um so uh, that being said you know if you're listening to the audio version um you know do us a flavor uh, write us a little review hit the star rating because that would really help us um yeah and that's it that's all for us today we'll see you again next thursday Bye.